What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Share this out. Um, do all the good stuff. Five stars in Apple Podcasts. Uh, all that sort of stuff. So, for the first time in a week and a half, maybe two weeks, we are doing a game preview, right? Now, the game preview, this is Monday Night Football Legacy Jerseys. The Green Bay Packers come to MetLife Stadium to play the New York Giants. And this is probably, at least I would say, unless the Saints just go down within the next week, this is the easiest opponent that the Giants will have for the remainder of the season. Because you then play the Saints next week, the Eagles on Christmas, which technically is a Monday-ish game. Um, and that's another technical primetime game that I really don't want to watch. Then you got the Rams, and then you got the Eagles again. So this is probably, I would say, the last winnable game for the New York Giants on the schedule. Now, of course, people will go in their trending directions of whether they want to root for wins or losses. Uh, you guys know already where I'm going in terms of this. But I know there's also people, hey, listen, you know, if they want to believe that there's still a playoff chance, let them believe. Uh, I'm not going to tell anyone where to go with that. But the Green Bay Packers are 6-6 six and six in their Second in the AFC North, and uh, the Packers are the seventh seed in the NFC. So they are battling out with a couple of different teams for wild card spots. It looks like Minnesota is one of them who they play in division with or tied with them in division. And uh, the Rams are behind them, Seattle, and a couple other teams as well. So this is going to be a pivotal game for them. And Green Bay is doing really well as of recent, right? Um, you know, they impressed a lot of people on Sunday Night Football against Kansas City. They went out there against Detroit on Thanksgiving and won. They beat the Chargers. And um, against Pittsburgh, they didn't do so well. But they've won, let's see, what, four of their last five games. And they didn't start out the season particularly well. They had a four-game losing streak. And now they could maybe flip the script a little bit and do a four-game winning streak. They still have some players inj injured. Uh, the New York Giants do as well. The Giants, I guess the state of them, Tommy DeVito, um, he's going to be starting. I think he'll start the rest of the season unless he plays horrifically. I think they realize where they're at. Um, or maybe they actually believe that Tommy DeVito gives them the best chance to win. Personally, me, I don't believe that. Um, I wanted DeVito to play just, you know, Tyrod's not going to be here next year. We know what he is. DeVito would probably be competing for a backup role, um, you know, with whoever comes in next year, right? Daniel Jones or uh, a rookie quarterback or another quarterback they bring in just for a camp body, whatever the case may be, right? You know, DeVito will already be in the building. He will already have that advantage. Evan Neal, probably not going to play. We'll get into the injury report right now, actually. Um it's a little bit of a, a day off type of thing to where, you know, obviously we have the game on Monday, so they still have another day of practice. Um, but this is obviously being recorded on a Friday night. So let's start with the injury report. There's a long list for the Green Bay Packers. Um, the significant ones, Elton Jenkins was practicing on, I believe it was Thursday, didn't practice on Friday. Um, that's as far as the uh, the injury report goes. And they got some other injuries as well. Uh, Jair Alexander is getting healthy. Aaron Jones was limited in practice. Um, let's see what else they got on the injury report right here. 
Um, Devondre Campbell limited. Josiah DeGuara, he's full practice. So those guys will play. I don't think Elton Jenkins will. Quay Walker looks like he's not going to play. Um, Shoulder injury and also as well, Christian Watson. Looks like he's not going to play hamstring injury. So you move to the Giants' side of the ball. Evan Neal, ankle injury, not going to play. Dexter Lawrence, I'm a little eh on him. You know, I don't know if he's going to play because he didn't practice on Wednesday or Tuesday. You know, practiced uh, Thursday a little bit, Friday a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be ready for game time, personally. Again, can't tell you that. Uh, and then he didn't play against play against New England, and he just had all of the bye week to get healthy, and it looks like he's not fully healthy. And I, I don't want to put him out there, and he's not healthy. Right? Uh, Ashawn Robinson was limited, but I expect him to play. Isaiah Simmons was limited. Carter Coughlin, hip injury, but full practice. Tyra Taylor, full practice, so he's healthy. And uh, Daniel Bellinger, he is uh, currently dealing with an illness. Hopefully he does play on Saturday because uh, – practice on Saturday, excuse me, uh, because that would leave the Giants with Tyree Jackson, Lawrence Cager, and whoever the hell else they have on the practice squad at tight end. I would be very scared of that. Even, you know, if I'm rooting for the Giants to lose, uh, as an objective, like, fan standpoint, I want to see competent football. I don't want to see Lawrence Cager out there with, you know, two other schmucks. So that's as far as the injury report goes. I would expect the Giants to have an open roster spot to go ahead and activate Terod Taylor from the injured reserve because, hey, you need a backup quarterback unless they do something like, hey, we're going to activate Matt Barkley from the practice squad, but there's really no point in that. Uh, Yeah, they have 52 active right now. They're going to add a 53rd, uh, that being Terod Taylor. So let's take a look at the stats on the season for the Packers, the Giants, the usual way you do it. Uh, Packers, uh, to describe them, their record pretty much describes what they are. At least, big picture. Entire picture. Entire season. Mid. Like, you look at the stats rankings for them. 17th in total yards offensively. 18th in passing offense. 20th in rushing offense. And 18th in points per game. All I could say is mid. Uh, Defense, 18th. In total yards, 10th against the pass, not very good against the run, 30th. That seems to be a reoccurring problem. Injuries and lack of stocky linebackers being the issue. And then 9th in points per game on defense. Uh, 11th in pass percentage, second in, uh, 22nd in run percentage, 3rd in pass percentage on first down, 25th in run percentage on first down, 12th in blitz percentage, 11th in pressure percentage, and 20th in sacks. Go to the Giants. Offensively, 32nd in the categories of passing yards per game, passing offense technically. Uh, Total yards, they are 18th on the ground. And then if you take a look, of course, at their points, which is very poor, they are total of 31st. only worse, New England Patriots, which is a little surprising because they scored how many touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I was not a beneficiary of that besides the whole tank rules stuff because I started the Pittsburgh Steelers on defense um, in fantasy. I take the L on that one. But you move to the defense. I think the defense ranks better than they are statistically. You have to keep in mind how many times they've given up 40 over 30, some of that being turnover-induced, 
all that other stuff. They're 28th in total yards per game, 20th against the pass, 28th against the run, and 26th in points per game defensively. Uh, 22nd in pass percentage, 11th in run percentage, 26th in pass percentage on first down, 12th in run percentage on first down, 2nd in blitz percentage, 21st in pressure percentage, and 29th in sacks. Um, I don't know if I read Green Bay stats for the defense, but 12th in blitz percentage, 11th in pressure percentage, and 20th in sacks. So if I read it over again, I apologize. If I forgot it, I apologize. But things to look for. I'll start with the New York Giants offensively, right? We know Tommy DeVito's starting. We know he takes a lot of sacks. Um, Personally, me, I would expect the Giants to do some ground and pound, right? Green Bay, they're missing a linebacker. Devondre Campbell's not going to be fully healthy. He's not really doing too well this year. Isaiah McDuffie's probably their best inside backer that's going to be healthy. So I would expect the Giants to push it on the ground. This is going to be another one of those defense wins of the game. The offense just does enough or barely enough to put points on the board. So as far as Saquon goes, I expect him to get a lot of carries. I would imagine that Matt Breida is second in that. And then if they want to feature a guy, Eric Gray, I think Deshaun Corbin probably is inactive for this game. They did that when Gray came back against the Pats. Um, But again, we'll see what happens uh, going down in this game. As for the Packers defense, they could get away with loading the box. Their secondary hasn't been bad with Jair Alexander out. Obviously, it could be better, but they still rank 10th against the pass. So that's pretty good, you know, Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, which, you know, we'll get to him a little later on. And, of course, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, who is mainly a special teamer. But... Maybe they could stack the box. I would also maybe apply some pressure, get some different guys in there. Um, you know, Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator, formerly of the Browns, I believe it was, and I think he was fired last year. No, Joe Barry is different from Joe Woods. Joe Woods was fired from Cleveland, and he went down to New Orleans. So Joe Barry and Joe Woods are two different guys. So uh, what was I going to say? Forgive me for mixing up the Joes. But anyway, realistically speaking, back on point, I would expect them maybe to apply some pressure a little bit more. Um, aside from Andrew Thomas, JMS might struggle a little bit against Kenny Clark. And just throwing some looks at Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito loves to take sacks. Um, and, you know, that's that's just a part of his game. He needs to get better at pocket presence. And this is going to be a game where it's going to be tested. You know, over the bye week, over the how many days of practice, he's a starting QB. He has to get better at that. I'm pretty sure Giant fans don't want to see him taking 700 sacks a game. Uh, As for the defensive side of the ball, I would expect the Giants to be actually very good against the run. Now, again, I don't know if Dex is going to play. If he does play, expect a decent performance against the run. A little bit below average or average if Dex does not play. You'll see guys like DJ Davidson going in there, Jordan Riley, whoever they put out there, but... The run blocking for the Green Bay Packers is not very good. Not to mention if Aaron Jones does play and gets the bulk of carries, he hasn't been himself this year. And we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But that's as far as the defense goes. And also, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau and matching up against these tackles could be very much an interesting matchup in Dex if he plays. And also, their wide receivers aren't too much of a threat to our corners, um, at least in my opinion. So... Let's go into players to watch. Jordan Love is going to be the main guy, obviously the quarterback. Now, his completion percentage isn't there, 61.3, but 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 
2,866 yards, 7 yards per throw, and 238.8 yards per game, and he's also taken 24 sacks. So let's go to him real quick. Um, Love has, I believe, three games this season where he's thrown more than one interception in a game. And I feel like this could be a game, and this is not me, me being biased or anything, but the Giants' defense is very good. They love to force turnovers on certain quarterbacks, and I feel like um, Jordan Love could be one of those guys, right? Um, so, you know, uh, the game against Pittsburgh, he threw two interceptions. The game against the Raiders, he threw three interceptions. Uh, the game against Detroit, he threw two interceptions, uh, which was, I believe, on Thursday Night Football. So, in terms of that, like, Pittsburgh, Raiders, Detroit, in those games... They have lost. They have lost. Now, he did throw an interception against Denver, and they lost. And, you know, Minnesota, they lost. So it seems like when he turns over the ball, interception-wise, except for one game, that's a keynote that they're going to lose. Now, of course, that's not always going to happen. And the Giants can still find a way to lose because, you know, some of these opponents are better than the Giants that they've played, won, lost against, whatever. But that's going to be a key cog. And we'll talk about that later on of course but i think i covered it for the most part you know the interceptions not bad at 10 but again it seems to come in bunches uh the rushing game aj Dillon is their lead rusher one touchdown this season one big run over 20 uh which was a 40 yard run and again the rushing offense isn't very good they don't prioritize it a lot but it goes to two things uh aaron jones which we'll mention in a second and the front the front's not very good multiple guys getting injured and just not enough push so the Giants could go out there and really instigate some pressure up the middle fronts all that sort of stuff run blitzes um but Dylan's the better runner this year 3.5 yards per carry now of course it's a little bit better for Aaron Jones at 3.7 but um, he's got two touchdowns this year, which is better than Dylan, but he's got less yards, 245. And his longest run of the season is under 20 yards, under 15 yards, matter of fact, at 11. Uh, the Aaron Jones that we saw how many you know years ago and in his prime would not put up these type of numbers. He would put up actually a little bit better uh, numbers. So, you know, there's that. He hasn't had a good season. Now, you go to the wide receivers. Uh, we'll start with Jaden Reed, who's their lead receiver. And he's a rookie out of Michigan State, and he's a slot guy. And he's been playing really well. The catch radius isn't great on him, but, you know, he's he's been explosive for them. 12.8 yards per catch, five touchdowns, eight plays over 20, and uh, 513 yards. Romeo dubs his second, seven touchdowns, five plays over 20, 505 yards, 11.2 yards per catch. We'll Mention Christian Watson just because, but he's probably not going to play this game. Uh, 422 yards, five touchdowns, six, uh, five plays, excuse me, over 20 yards, 15.1 yards uh, per catch. And then we go over to the next guy, Dontavian Wicks, which I won't mention too much of him because Paul, in the second half of our show, does detail him a little bit more. 374 yards, one touchdown, seven plays over 20 yards. Hint, hint, uh, he's explosive, 16.3 um, yards per catch. You look at the offensive line, right? Um, a little banged up, but they've done decent in terms of pass blocking. Run blocking hasn't been their spiel, but their pass blocking has. And as far as where they rank, they have given up 
the seventh least sacks in the NFL, which is good for Jordan Love and his pocket presence, and it's good for the offensive line. But we'll go down the list. Rasheed Walker, the Penn State tackle, four sacks, eight penalties. You move over to Elton Jenkins, zero sacks, three penalties, which this is going to be interesting to see if he plays. Um, I don't think he will, and even if they do, they'll probably rotate someone in there, which will likely be a guy we saw last year who played at right guard. That's Royce Newman, and Newman's given up one sack, and he's also committed a penalty. You move over to center, three penalties and three sacks for Josh Myers, six penalties and two sacks by John Runyon. Junior and Zach Tom, two sacks, three penalties, but he's been one of the best players and most most consistent players on the Green Bay team, uh, which obviously speaks to uh, being a good tackle. And I remember he was available in the 2022 draft. But you move over to the defensive players and, you know, being the players to watch, Rashawn Gary is the top guy. He leads them in sacks, nine, six tackles for loss, got extended, 17 quarterback hits, 23 quarterback pressures, 34 tackles. You move over to another pass rusher, Preston Smith. Five and a half sacks, three tackles for a loss, 14 QB hits, 16 QB pressures, 40 tackles. And then you move over to the interior, Kenny Clark, 33 tackles, four and a half sacks, four TFLs, 12 quarterback hits, 18 QB pressures. Um, one thing that, again, Paul will mention in the second half of the show is Rashawn Gary's not a good run defender. So if the Giants can at least get some push on the ground, and Saquon can make some moves, Rashawn Gary will be exploited in the running game. We'll look at the linebackers real quickly. Uh, Devondre Campbell on the season, 56 tackles, two quarterback hits, one tackle for a loss. And I'm going to pull up the coverage stats just because, even though it won't be a big factor, because I could see Saquon being used in the receiving game. It wasn't really used against the Pats, but against Washington the second time it really was. And that could be a big factor, but he's given up a 72% completion rating in coverage, 86.8 um, passer rating, which isn't bad for the linebacker caliber he is. He's a little older. He's been a vet, um, but he was an all-pro with uh, Green Bay a few years ago. I think it was 2019 or 2020. Um, but, yeah, moving forward, we'll go to Isaiah McDuffie, who's a former Boston College kid. Um, he's played a little bit more with the absence of Quay Walker in coverage, Hasn't given up a touchdown, but has given up a lot of completions. Uh, 222 yards, 80% completion, 103.7 passer rating, which isn't good, but no touchdowns. Given up 68 tackles, two quarterback hits, and three TFLs. No sacks on the season. So you move to the secondary. We'll talk about the four corners. Um, we'll start out with Corey Ballantyne, former Giant. Uh, has been a lot of different places over the last few years. Green Bay, Detroit the Giants, uh, and the Jets too. But as far as Ballantyne goes, he's given up two touchdowns, 99.5 passer rating allowed, no interceptions, 59.5 completion percentage, and 265 yards allowed. So this is actually the best statistical year he's having, and I would say he's played probably next to the most, right? 59% snap percentage on defense compared to the 33% in his rookie year with the New York Giants. So that's a big, big plus on his side, right? You know, maybe he could stay on this Packers team beyond this year or maybe even get a job elsewhere. Um, and they also traded Razul Douglas, who, uh, you know, obviously was big for them the last few years, but it's given more time to Keyshawn Nixon, Carrington, Valentine, 
and of course Corey Ballantyne. Now Keyshawn Nixon, not bad stats um, on the year for a special teamer, an interception and a touchdown, 90.2 passer rating, 76.6 completion percentage, 393 yards. Um, you move to Jair Alexander, who's getting healthy. Not great stats uh, in coverage. He's played five games this year, which kind of speaks to the injury-prone um, mantra that he's had. 68% completion, 203 yards, two touchdowns allowed, no interceptions, and 109.2 passer rating. Last but not least, we'll move over to Carrington Valentine, who is the rookie. Um, this season, he's given up a completion percentage of 45.9, which is really good, and he has yet to allow a touchdown with a passer rating of 66. So statistically, he is arguably their best corner, but he is a little handsy at times. We did see that, you know, against the Chiefs where that call was missed and all these other different things. But before we get to top matchups, let's talk about SeatGeek, folks. If you guys are going to a ball game, if you guys are going to a concert, or you're going to a tailgate and you need parking passes, parking passes are expensive as hell, by the way. Um, go to SeatGeek, one-stop shop, $20 off with the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. That's Big Blue in the Bronx. Name of the channel, name of the channel, name of the podcast, nothing abbreviated, Big Blue in the Bronx. So let's talk about top matchups, right? Kayvon Thibodeau versus Rasheed Walker. Walker hasn't been great, but he's been better in pass pro than run blocking. Uh, I think that's going to be a big matchup for Thibodeau coming out of the bye. Played well against the Pats. Played excessively well against the Commanders. Has been on a tear. Has been on a tear for most of the second half of the season. Uh, I know you can't really call it the second half because it's not after the bye week. But, you know, compared to the first half where he was completely silent. And he's also got 11 sacks on the season, which is no surprise based on the opponents we've played. But hopefully he could keep it up consistently. And I think that would be a good matchup. Um, Aziz Ojolari versus Zach Tom. Now you could also interchange the two. Uh, Ojolari versus Walker, Thibodeau versus Tom, would it be TT matchup, but uh, Ojolari versus Tom, speaking on how well Tom has played, and how bad Aziz Ojolari has played, I don't really expect Aziz to go off, and and it's kind of sad that we've kind of lowered the bar for him, because, you know, the whole thing we heard last year is like, yeah, when he's on the field, he's super productive, but, I mean, pressures, hits, no sacks on the year, and... I don't know, man. I don't know. But they also have Benton Whitley. They've got some other guys to back up. I'm also looking at uh, Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed versus Deontay Banks. I think it's going to be Romeo Dobbs uh, as the lead receiver for this game. Watson's going to be out. And that should be a matchup where Banks takes the number one guy and doesn't do much. Um, You know, being that the number one guy doesn't do much. Dobbs is the most consistent receiver, but he's not a world beater. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not CeeDee Lamb. He's not some of these other cats. Uh, he is a guy that I think Deontay Banks could lock down for a little bit. Um, and also Cordell Flott versus Jaden Reed. Flott has played well this season. Jaden Reed has been explosive. So it's a good matchup there. Uh, Jalen Hyatt versus Keyshawn Nixon. It could be versus Keyshawn Nixon, but Hyatt's probably not going to be in the slot. Keyshawn Nixon is a slot corner. So you probably move him to the outside versus uh, Carrington Valentine. If Jair Alexander plays, maybe move him outside versus him. But I would expect Slayton to be there. And also, if you get the chance, Jalen Hyatt versus a guy in, I don't know, uh, Corey Ballantyne. Former Giant versus Giant right there. I would have looked to expose that matchup. Ballantyne's played well, but it's not necessarily all-pro numbers to where he could lock Jalen Hyatt down. And Tommy DeVito has fit it in the hole 
with Jalen Hyatt a couple of times and with a lot of different guys and deep passes. We saw that against the New England Patriots. Um, and Wandale Robinson, too. Like, he wasn't involved too much last game, but I, I really like where they're going with Hyatt and Robinson. It's just a matter of getting them involved. Andrew Thomas versus Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith. I think that would be a good matchup, uh, especially Gary versus Thomas. I know that Gary doesn't do much in the running game, but Thomas, you know, just always watch him, him do really well against some of these upper-tier pass rushers. And then Justin Pugh and JMS versus uh, Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league. I know everybody looks at Donald and Lawrence and Williams and Chris Jones. I think Clark, just because... You know, the run defense has been bad for the Green Bay Packers. I don't think he's looked at as much, but um, he's still a force. He's still a force, right? So, let's talk about keys to win. Let's talk about keys to win. Uh, number one is force turnovers, right? If you get turnovers in bunches versus Jordan Love, if he throws an interception, if Banks baits him like he baited Sam Howell, I think it could lead to the game, right? You know, it could decide the game. Uh, I mentioned it earlier with Jordan Love. He throws his interceptions in bunches, and even when he throws interceptions, they only have one win uh, this season. He's thrown 10. So I would try to bunch up those interceptions. If not, also bunch up the fumbles. Uh, that's going to be one thing as well. I know Aziz hasn't been great. Dex may or may not be on the field, so it's going to be up to Thibodeau and maybe just blitz a little bit more. I think you could depend on the secondary to play man coverage and maybe throw Jason Pinnock in there as well. Number two is run the ball effectively. I think the Giants are going to get their points out of running the football, grinding it downfield, doing the small, simple screen game stuff, the quick slants, not the big, deep plays. They'll probably get one or two at max. This is a very good pass defense. I think they should still try to move it downfield like that, but they do not play the run well. Use that to the advantage, but don't run Saquon out and don't like dry out the cow. For lack of better words, don't dry out the cow, use Brita, use Gray, and yeah. And this could be like a, a good, I would say, dopamine booster for the offensive line a little bit. I think that's a good dopamine booster because their run blocking hasn't been good all season. This could be a game where it's just like, hey, listen, let's start off the second half strong. And number three is don't turn it over. Um, I know that there's a lot of favorable, ma favorable matchups in this game. You look at the Green Bay defense, you look at the Green Bay offense versus our defense. There's a lot of favorable matchups, but there's not a lot of, uh, I should say there's a lot of unfavorable matchups with the favorable matchups. And I feel like Tommy DeVito, you know, against New England, you know, he did his thing. He also turned it over once. Well, technically it wasn't his turnover. It was Wandale's turnover because of the, uh, the little toss and it didn't really get there. And Jabril Peppers recovered it and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like this could be a game for Green Bay where they try to get an interception or two and Tommy DeVito maybe makes a mistake. But I also think it's possible that Brian Dable tries to not put it in DeVito's hands and boom, you know, it's a it's a turnover uh, free game for DeVito and, you know, Saquon Barkley runs the ball most of the time. So I could see that. But number one, force turnovers. Number two, run the ball effectively. And uh, number three, don't turn it over. So in this game, I got the Green Bay Packers winning 20-10. to 10. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think both defenses, at least in the pass, will do good. I think there could be a chance that the Giants get you know, back on their feet a little bit in terms of you know, uh, you know, defend the run. Just for the Packers, doesn't look good, but I don't know that will always you know, be points for the Giants because they go into the red zone a lot, but they end up kicking field goals. So 20-10 to 10 Packers, 
Now we're going to send it over to the interview slash discussion with Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company. All right, so once again, like last year, uh, the Giants and Packers played in London. Now they get to come to our home instead of being neutral site or technically Packers being the home team. But anyway, we have uh, Paul Noonan back on of Acme Packing Company. Um, Paul, I'll start out with this. I'm sure we'll get into specifics later. Offense, defense, certain players, right? How do you think Green Bay has handled adversity with injuries to poor players? Because it seems like it's been a lot this year. Aaron Jones, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari again, Devondre Campbell. Yep. How do you think they've handled it? Um, honestly, kind of phenomenal. Um, they haven't really noticeably lost a step by losing any of those guys. And uh, I, I, the one exception might be Aaron Jones early. I think they maybe would have stolen a win or two earlier in the season when they were still a little bit out of sorts chemistry-wise had he been there. But um, Bakhtiari, they, I think they're kind of used to not having him, him at this point. He, ha he has been in and out so often over the last two years that they've kind of planned around not having him. Uh, the big surprise, though, is Alexander uh, hasn't really hurt them in the secondary at all. There's almost no drop-off at all in their pass defense from when he's in and out. And, I mean, I will tell you, he is, I think, a phenomenal corner, especially when his, when his head is right. And I think it's been a really impressive job by a lot of unheralded young guys to, to step in and fill that gap there. Campbell as well. I feel like actually maybe we, we caught him in the losing a step part of his career. And it's maybe not the worst thing in the world that he actually has been gone from the lineup. There may be some addition by subtraction there. Okay. Going to one of the main headlines popping into the season, which was uh, Jordan Love. Obviously, uh, his first season starting as a Green Bay Packer. 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. What's the fan base's perception on him, and how do you think he's done overall on the field, statistically, on the film, all of that? So perception is sky high at the moment. Uh, he's coming off a, a great four-game stretch, um, and it's really flipped because everybody was very down on him, including me, um, at the beginning of this sort of winning streak they've had, this little winning streak with a, a little hiccup against Pittsburgh in it. Um, one of the problems with evaluating Love early was just that the Packers are the youngest team in the league. Everybody on that offense is either a rookie or a second-year player. And it, it did not go well for a good six or seven weeks. And it was hard to identify whose fault it was. Um, I think what's become very clear over the last few weeks is most of the problems with the offense early were on the receivers basically not running correct routes, um, letting him down on contested, contested balls. And, you know, there's some Jordan in there, too. You're going to be a little rusty when you're just getting started off. But... As everybody's gotten used to the offense and on the same page, and it's become very evident what the problems were in the past based on what we can see now, uh, I think everybody's really happy with him. I think everybody is sort of on board with him being the next guy. And essentially when people started actually catching, like eliminating drops and giving him at least a league average rate on contested catches, he shot to the top. Like over the last four games, I think he's like second in EPA per play behind just Brock Purdy. And I'm not sure it's going to you know, keep that level of consistency going forward, but all the positives really show up on love. He, there's a lot to like there. He still struggles in a couple of minor areas, but more than anything, he's very cool under pressure and he always makes the right read basically every single play. Okay. Move to the running back position. Talking about some <clears throat> core injuries earlier. Uh, Aaron Jones was limited. I know he missed a few weeks. I'll start with him first and then move to a different player. who We kind of talked about a little bit. Um, is there 
a certain level of patience with him. And maybe, again, outsider standpoint, don't know as much as the Green Bay fan base and, of course, you, Paul. But it seems like Jones has a couple of games each season where he doesn't play or he's playing with an injury. Uh, is there a level of patience that's wearing down on him? Or is it just, okay, he's out for this many games each year. We're fine with that because our backfield <laughs> is pretty solid. Um, this is different, I, I, I think. Um, Jones is reaching that dreaded like 30-year-old plateau that running backs tend to fall off quite a bit. He is a light running back. I think he's listed at 208 on the league web website. That guy is 195 soaking wet. And he takes a lot of punishment. He is an outside runner, but he also does not show away from contact. Most alarmingly, all of his explosion numbers have been down this year, even, even when he's been healthy. I think he actually has zero explosive runs this year. He often leads the league in that category. Um, and as a receiver, he's really fallen off. He is turned into much more of a dump-off guy. I suspect the writing's on the wall a bit with him. Um, it's not great that they're missing him because the running game is not not very good, frankly. <laughs> and they could use vintage Aaron Jones. But my guess is that this is sort of the typical fall-off for a running back entering his 30s and that he will not be on the team much longer. I mean, for the year he will be, but I doubt he'll be back uh, after this year. Yeah, and I think, what is it? He's got, I think he's had the extension in, what, 21? And yeah, he's got it was 21. Um, he's gotten paid and, uh, um, I think he's entering the year when you can sort of reasonably move on from him without too harsh of cap consequences. And he's done his job. Aaron Jones has been great. Don't, don't, uh, don't get me wrong here. Uh, when he is on the field, he's one of the best backs in the league, but age comes for running backs sooner than everybody else. And I think it's come for him finally. Yeah. I was just looking at some of the stats real quick and I know there's obviously the advanced analytics, but stuff you could look at with running backs, right? You know, to see if they've fallen off. Yards per carry, and I think the longest run they've had. Uh, he's currently at 3.7 yards per carry, and his longest run of the season is 11 yards. And yeah. that's 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 got to be a telling tale. Yep. It's got to be a, a complete telling tale. Now, let me ask you this before we move on to another guy who's been injured a lot. Do you think that Green Bay might need to invest in another running back uh, behind A.J. Dillon? I do. I think that they'll almost certainly draft one this year. Um, they have been one of the teams willing to go pretty high for running backs, much to the chagrin of us nerds on the other side. But uh, I think that they, they like to keep a strong running back room if possible. It's getting thin, and I think they'll be shooting for a, a third or fourth rounder in the next draft, if not higher. Now, you did mention earlier, um, again, along the injury line, David Bakhtiari. He, it seems like every year there's always uh, a reserve spot for him on IR. Um, you know, Rashid Walker, Zach Tom are the tackles. I mean, what, how long is Green Bay actually going to keep it up? And again, you did mention earlier, it just seems like they're kind of used to him being injured every single season, but he's getting paid a lot of money. How long does, do you think Green Bay keeps this going with him? Um, I think that they will move on from Bakhtiari as soon as they possibly can. That situation is complicated and not all of it is public knowledge. And I don't know anything that the public doesn't know. Um, but I know that there are potential issues with that injury and with the politics of a potential grievance in moving on from him. There's salary cap ramifications. If he decides to file a grievance against them for how they've handled his injury status versus if they just sort of let things play out and pay him. So I think he'll be on the team until they're sort of clear on what his medicals are going forward and what's going to happen. But I think as soon as he is healthy or you know they've settled to a certain extent that they're probably done with it um that need nobody trusted anymore including david bakhtiari 
and I don't think they have really any patience for it anymore. He's just eating 53-man spot at this point. Now, before we uh, move on to a little bit of the wide receivers and tight ends, do you think at some point he realizes, and I think he's, what, mid thirty something like that, um, do you think at some point he realizes maybe, and of course we don't know what he's thinking, do you think he at some point maybe considers a medical retirement? I think that's possible. Um, it, I think I don't want to cast dispersions on a guy for what he believes medically about himself. There's been a lot of back and forth on Bakhtiari as to whether he takes off when they play on turf. He has expressed skepticism at the turf fields in the league. He's been a big proponent of moving to all grass, whether this is some kind of silent strike or whether uh, it's all in his head or whether it is legitimately a bad injury. And we've seen some um, some news and some medicals that it may very well be a really serious injury, but it's hard to get a read on David Bakhtiari. He's, he is an unusual character and uh, guessing what he's thinking is very, very difficult. He is one of uh, Aaron Rodgers' best friends still on the Packers. And he is very much of a similar mindset to Aaron Rodgers, I would say. So um, an interesting character, and I'm not even going to guess what that guy's thinking. I'm sure he's considering all options, but um, who knows? He is a little bit of a weird guy. Moving on to the wide receiver court, <clears throat> you got Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson. He's currently injured. It looks like, based on the injury report, he probably won't play this week. But one guy I've noticed in particular, you guys took him in the draft this year, uh, that's at least stood out to me is, is Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Has he been the most consistent receiver this year for Green Bay? Has there been any struggles with him? Has he been a breath of fresh air? Uh, Jaden Reed's been great, but he I think Romeo is the most consistent guy on the team. Um, not the most explosive, but when they need a, a, an actual like possession, when they need to convert a first down, he gets it. He has the best hands on the team, and he is. they don't have a veteran presence, but to the extent they do have one, it is Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Reed has been great at adding explosiveness to the offense, especially when Watson is out. Watson is hurt fairly frequently. He pulls his hamstring about once every three weeks or so. And so you got to have some plans there. Uh, he's one of the fastest slot receivers in the league. He has not, uh, consistency is not the word I would use for Jaden. Um, he actually had some, t- not, not drops problems out of Michigan State, but some sort of catch radius problems. Um, he does not have a huge catch radius. It's got to be pretty on target for him. And he, for a slot receiver, you know, you kind of want those guys to catch like 65, 75% of their passes. And he catches like 50, 56 to 60, little, just a little under. But when he catches it, he's a threat to score every time. And more importantly, when Watson's out, he gets a lot of the gadget type plays that Watson gets when he's in. A lot of the jet sweep motion and sort of um, circle uh, out of the backfield plays that they usually save for Watson when, when he's in there. Um, but the other rookie to keep an eye on in this game is actually Dontavian Wicks, who was taken in the fifth and is going to probably take Watson's spot on the outside um, because he's secretly the best receiver on the team. Uh, by all advanced metrics, uh, he is basically just behind Tyreek Hill on all of them. If you look at separation metrics or yards per outrun metrics, and he's actually he only plays like 35 percent of snaps. Um, that's going to go up this week. But basically, every time he's on the field, he makes a big play. Yeah, definitely. I remember seeing that graphic because um, I know one of our receivers is actually up there, and a lot of a lot of different cats <laughs> were saying, "Oh, I don't know about this guy, Wandale Robinson," but he was up there with, and I saw it on Tavian Wicks as well. Um, and of course, Tyree Kill. How could you forget about him? But yeah, moving to the uh, the tight end spot, you guys had a uh, Robert Tunyon for a while, and he departed. He went over to Chicago in free agency. Has there been? missing production in that room 
since he's left, or is it about the same? Uh, quite the opposite, actually. It has improved fairly drastically. Um, Bob was basically a one-trick pony in that he caught an absurd number of targets, but he was a glorified dump-off guy. Um, I think one, two seasons ago, uh, it's been, time is weird. Um, the last time Robert Tunyon was good and played a lot, um, he was like second in DVOA that year to, to Travis Kelsey, but it's because he caught 87% of his targets and he had like 60 catches. So, you know, he caught like almost 90% of like 75 targets, which is insane, but he didn't do anything with him. It was like 10 yards per catch guy. Um, they drafted two tight ends in this draft. Luke Musgrave's not going to play in this game because he got hurt. Um, but he is their dynamic down the seam field stretcher. And he was just kind of turning into that right when he did get hurt, which is too bad. Um, his overall numbers won't look that good. But if you look at his last few games, he was ripping off like 17 yarders with regularity. Um, he's been replaced while he's been injured by Tucker Craft, who they took in, I think, the fourth round of the, of the draft. He's a um, lower division guy, uh, but he is supposed to be sort of the yak uh, producer and he's been actually very good at it since his roles increased he is kind of a monster with the ball in his hands and he's a much better blocker than musgrave so he's actually helped the run game a little bit too okay moving to the offensive line taking a beating with injuries i know elton jenkins he was limited the first day you guys practice with this week and now he as you know today's friday did not practice yeah um and again back to Ari. Uh, seems to be per usual. Uh, how have all the guys played when they've stepped in? So this is definitely one of the worst Green Bay offensive lines of the last several years. It's been a strength of the team basically until this season. And they've weathered it pretty well in spite of all those injuries, especially as a pass blocking team. But they are a very light offensive line. And they definitely get pushed around in the run game. They're not creating holes like they used to. Uh, so it's a little bit of a mixed bag in that if they run into an especially heavy, aggressive defensive front, they do still have trouble. Uh, the anchor of the team is Zach Tom, who is, I think if you look at PFF, their highest graded overall player by a kind of a country mile. And he is the one consistent player they've had. Uh, he's versatile. They can kind of move him around. He usually ends up a tackle. Um, but he, without him, I think they'd be a disaster. Um, and they do this weird thing where they're rotating tackles fairly frequently, and it's been bizarre. So Rashid Walker um, is, it's, it's his second year, and he's a low-drafted guy. He might be a UDFA. I don't remember how we got Rashid. But uh, he's been a pretty good pass blocker, but atrocious in the run game. And he, he splits time with Yash Nyman, who actually has played pretty well for two years, but seems to have some kind of in-the-doghouse issue with the team. I don't know why. I don't know if he doesn't practice well or what. But they seem to be better when he's on the field. Um, and they also do a lot of rotating on the inside, I think, basically to keep guys fresh because their guards and center aren't very good, frankly. Um, Royce Newman is a weakness. Josh Myers, who will haunt this team forever because he was taken one pick ahead of Creed Humphrey, um, is he's, he's fine. He's having a decent year, but he's not Creed Humphrey. Um, so they don't move people inside. That's the main problem with this team. It's... It's a decent enough line. It gets the job done, but uh, it's not going to bowl anybody over. Yeah, and I remember you bringing up last year, uh, Royce Newman, like, you know, he was not very good and then ended up in the game. Yep. Dexter Lawrence got what I thought was <laughs> going to be one of the turning points in the game when he got that sack on Aaron Rodgers and they had the punt. And I think that was the drive where the Giants went 97 yards for uh, a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. But, I think um, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully, I guess for, for your sake, he doesn't play. 
uh, Royce Newman, but also, you know, on the other side, (laughs) but also maybe on the benefit for you guys, obviously not not for our benefit, but Dexter Lawrence may or may not play. He's been injured, which is a very rare thing, but um, moving on and going to the defensive side of the ball. And I look at his stats. It's also seems like it's a perception on the outside. I want to get it from someone who's covered green Bay. It seems like year after year, Another situation where Green Bay statistically cannot stop the ground game. What's been the recurring issue? Injuries, personnel, scheme. I feel like maybe I asked this last year, but I'm going to ask again. Well, it's been a, it's a, a consistent issue kind of for like two decades, but it's definitely a consistent issue under the current defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, and it is part of scheme. Uh, they prefer to run a very light, too deep shell. They basically play to always like they're always playing Patrick Mahomes and it actually works pretty well against Patrick Mahomes. Like they did pretty well last week, actually against him, but against anybody who cares enough to run the ball, it's a problem. They do not sub for situation at all. They run a very light front. They are a base nickel team. Like a lot of teams are, but they don't have like a true run stopper on the line to sub in there. And even their linebackers are pretty light. You're like Quay Walker is a good athlete and he's not even like small per se. But even though he's heavy, he's like a 240-pound inside linebacker, he's really tall, so he has a really high center of gravity, and he gets bowled over a lot. They really just don't seem to care. It it is literally like a, we would rather have you run than pass, so we're going to just kind of incentivize you to run. The other problem is Rashawn Gary, who is a great pass rusher, but does not set the edge at all. You can definitely take advantage of him being overly aggressive on a regular basis and running to his side of the field. It's it's a legitimate problem with him. It's one of the reasons when he was recently extended, he didn't get like Bosa money. He got less than that. That's because he is not he's there's a hole in his game and that's what it is. Good to know. Um and also you you mentioned the thing about the linebackers that you said Devondre Campbell, he's on, you know, kind of downturn of his career. Uh, Quay Walker, you mentioned, is pretty light. What about a guy who – he didn't play a lot against Kansas City. I was looking at snap percentage, but uh, Isaiah McDuffie. Isaiah McDuffie, is, he plays linebacker like a special teamer, which is kind of what he is, um, and actually does help their run defense when he is in there. He's a good sideline-to-sideline linebacker, and he does make all of his tackles. Um, he is not great in coverage. He can be exposed by good tight ends or even not-so-good tight ends. Um, and, you know, it's a minor upgrade because it all starts up front. He's always, he's usually encountering guys down the field a bit, but he is, he has a light upgrade on Campbell in terms of the run game. Okay. Um, going to the secondary, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, they've played really well, uh, without Jair and also Eric Stokes is on IR, but, um, maybe in a little bit more of a specific light, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, who's primarily a kick returner. Uh, Carrington Valentine and someone who was a former giant draft pick, Corey Valentine. How have those three played? <laughs> um, they've all played pretty well in fits and spurts. The best one has been Carrington Valentine. Um, and I think he's the reason they were comfortable trading. They also traded Russell Douglas at the trade deadline to the bills who just got torched to lose a game for them the other day, um, which he was actually very good. I shouldn't rip on him like that. I like Russell. He's a, he's a good player. But Carrington Valentine is excellent. His one weakness is he is overly physical, which everybody got to see on national TV um, against the Chiefs. He is the one who committed that pass interference penalty that wasn't called on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, he does that a lot. He is up in guys' grills. He is a lot. He's very grabby, um, but he does not allow any separation at all. He is very quick, and uh, he is definitely impressed for being a lower-round draft pick and has made the team, I think, able to take some liberties with the secondary. Keyshawn's good 
And he made the play of the game, honestly, probably the play of the year for the Packers again in that game against the Chiefs as well. Um, he's clever, but he does get himself in trouble. He's definitely uh, he's the nickel corner most of the time. And uh, he can be exploited deep. He, I, th- I wish they'd save him for special teams work a little bit more than they do. They really do lean on him on the defensive side. And I do think sometimes he's just gassed. Um, and Ballantyne's just been kind of fine, uh, which is good. Like, you get guys like that, you want just average production out of them. That's kind of what they've gotten. And it's nice that their jerseys look fun together when they're in the same shot. Valentine and Valentine's rhyming. But um, move, moving further into game prep, top matchups you're looking at heading into this game? Uh, mostly the Packer defensive front and linebackers versus the Giants offensive line. Um, I feel like that's probably where this game is decided. And you know the Giants better than I do they've had a hard time keeping people off Tommy DeVito in particular who has a tendency to run himself into sacks and has since college and I think it could be a huge game for Rashawn Gary especially it looks like the line's even beat up a little bit from what it normally is if they can't protect him they're going to have major trouble Um, I do think the Giants may find a little bit of success at at least slowing down the Packer offense Um, they're a better pass defense then they are a rush defense, and that actually is a good way to be against Green Bay, who's struggling to run the ball this year. Um, and so, you know, may actually be able to do a little bit of work with Watson out and stymie them a little bit. So uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for is, um, can you get a little pressure on Love, and can the secondary hold up against, you know, a, a good receiving core, but that's missing its its alpha. Definitely. And two X factors for Green Bay, one on offense, one on defense. Um, on offense, everybody should keep an eye on Dontavian Wicks. Um, I will just tell you, at Acme Packing Company, we have ba- basically all made a good chunk of change betting on the over on Dontavian Wicks um, lines for catches and yards every single game for the last six weeks. And he has cleared that every single time. Uh, he is secretly excellent, and he's going to have a huge uptick uh, in this game because Watson is likely not going to play and because Musgrave is going to be out too. That, that combo hasn't happened yet. So um, he will be forced into that, um, which is totally fine. The other one is Lucas Van Ness, who of all, this has been a great Packer draft class so far. And he was the first round pick in it out of Iowa. And I think he's the one who's kind of underperformed the most, but he started to show some flashes the last couple of weeks. And if he can start to get on the field a little bit more uh, in pass rushing sets and to spell Preston Smith a little bit more, that's helpful. He's a big, he's a big one. He is good against the run and he's starting to get to the quarterback too. So, Two guys to keep an eye on who are a little unheralded on this team. And then if you're on Green Bay side, you're looking at the Giants. Two X factors uh, on the New York Giants, uh, one on offense and one on defense. Ah, all right. Um, on offense, I actually – one of my – so I, I do projection. I do like numbers projections on college players, um, and I specifically do receivers and quarterbacks. One of my favorite guys is actually Jalen Hyatt. And um, Jalen Hyatt, I've noticed his snap count's been going up steadily over the last few weeks, too. I think he got to 60% last week against the Patriots. Um, and as a deep threat, um, I, don't, I think he actually has a good amount of potential. And if you get him matched up, especially on Valentine as sort of the third receiver versus the third corner, I think that's a huge mis- mismatch for the Giants that you could take advantage of. And for all the problems Tommy DeVito has, I don't think Armstrong's one of them. He's hit a few sort of deep outs into that that four hole to Hyatt already this year. So um, there's that. And then I do think the giant pass rush might be able to get home a little bit. Um, 
it's like I said, it's not a great offensive line for the Packers. They did okay last week against Kansas City, but they did get blown up a couple of times too. Um, so I think that's an area of potential. Like Kayvon Thibodeau seems like he's been really, really, really good lately as well. I know he has 11 sacks. That's not a surprise. I watched the Washington game and he had like a whole bunch in that one. <laughs> um, probably one of his best games of the year. Um, but if you have a fierce enough pass rush um, against the Packers, you can actually cause some trouble for him. Okay, and then final question, um, two-parter. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, I, I rarely do that nowadays with uh, some <laughs> of the some of the opposing content creators and writers because I'm like, the, the giant season is over. But I, I, I would ask anyway because this is like a level comp- – Green Bay's better, I will say that, but they're, it's a little bit more to the Giants level. And then also, of course, uh, for anyone listening out there, uh, where can people find you and your work? Sure. Um, so if I was betting, I would bet on the Packers in this game. Um, they've been very hot lately. I do think they're better than the Giants are. Uh, just, you know, uh, basic stats tell you that. Point differential, any of the advanced ones, DVOA, etc. Um, but this is a road game. Um, I, I think the Packers actually do struggle a little bit on non-Sunday games for whatever reason. I think it screws up their their schedule a little bit. And I was frankly overconfident about this game last year. I remember I picked the Packers last year in London and um, the Giants showed up and played great. I do actually think the Giants, I'm not sure the Giant ownership is great, but the coaching staff I think is actually pretty good. (laughs) And to the extent that you can outsmart people, that goes a long way, especially against the Packer defensive coordinator who isn't very good. Um, So I wouldn't, I'm not that confident about this game. The Packers are a young team. Um, I expect the last five games are not against strong opponents, but young teams lose games to non-strong opponents with some regularity. I suspect they'll drop one or two of these, and I won't be that surprised if it's this one on the road uh, at a weird time. Um, So I'm going to pick the Packers, but I don't think it's an overwhelming thing. I wouldn't bet the farm on it at all. Um, As for where you can find me, uh, I'm a contributor at Appy Packing Company, the SB Nation Packer blog. Um, I do a podcast for them called Reporting is Eligible with uh, one of the reporters from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, um, J.R. Radcliffe and uh, and Matt Matanich, who does all of our memes and video work and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I also do a baseball podcast on the Brewers as well. So um, you can find me at all those places. It's going to be interesting. Uh, off topic, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Yes, it is. But, um, <laughs> um we appreciate thank you thank you thank you the happiest i've been in a couple of months um but uh we appreciate paul coming coming on and you know telling us about the packers a little bit uh watch listeners podcasts you know obviously look at some of his content that he writes and um you know follow his twitter at badger noonan for this podcast five stars like comment subscribe to all the good stuff turn on post notifications remember folks um i will be in the box on monday so if you guys got questions for uh coach dable after the game i will put out a tweet says you got questions send them under i don't know if the giants are going to win or lose i can't predict that or they may even tie because it's been like that the last two games i've been (laughs) in the press box the jets and the patriots giving me a heart attack but we appreciate you guys and we will talk to you guys later peace out